Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And here we go. It's the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. I hope you're doing good, man. Hey, listen, I had to go in and get a small surgical procedure. Uh, I went in, the doctor said, uh, uh, don't, don't panic, David. It's just a small surgery. Don't panic. I said, well, my name's not David. He said, no, I'm David. All right, thank you very much. Goodbye. Oh, my gosh. Duff is off his rocker. Uh, I hope that never happens to me, but I'm laughing now. (laughs) Thanks to Duff for bringing it every Friday like he always does. Always a great way to start the weekend with a laugh from a rock and roll Hall of Famer like Duff McKagan. And if you're looking for more laughs and some fun this spring, come rock with Fozzie. The Save the World Tour fires up again on March 31st in Detroit, Rock City. And we're bringing the rock all around the United States, Connecticut, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Texas, Nevada, California, all over. Uh, Get your tickets at FozzyRock.com. Our VIP meet and greets are legendary, and we will be doing those in every city. We play a uh, mini set for you. Five songs, some you're not going to hear later on that night. We meet you, we greet you, we hang out, we have a grand old time. There are still some available. Check it all out at FozzyRock.com. All right, today on Talk is Jericho, I've got Spencer Charnas from Ice Nine Kills. Their new album is called Silver Scream 2, Welcome to Horrorwood. And each song on the album was inspired by a different horror movie. Spencer put so much work into the lyrics. Wait until you hear his process. The band also did music videos for a bunch of the songs. And when you watch the videos together, they tell a horror story of their own. It is so clever and so well done. Spencer's talking about all the different movies he's made and to song lyrics uh, based on Resident Evil, Child's Play, Pet Cemetery, American Psycho. He's even used a couple uh, Talk is Jericho alumni, Eli Roth uh, films for inspiration as well. He's got some favorite horror movies of his own that we're going to discuss. Hopes to write a horror script of his own one day as well. So much cool stuff. Ice Nine Kills also have a very incredible live show. They act out a murder on stage. And you can see it if you check them out when they come through your town. The Trinity of Terror Tour is starting uh, later on this year with Black Veil Brides, Motionless and White, and Ice Nine Kills. And they're opening for Metallica in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Unbelievable. All dates and ticket info at ice9kills.com. That's ice and the number nine, N-I-N-E, kills.com. So let's go. Horror, metal, and Spencer from Ice Nine Kills right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. All right, so uh, one of the the bands that's causing kind of the biggest buzz right now is Ice Nine Kills, and Spencer is here. Spencer Charn is from Ice Nine Kills. And, it, dude, there's so much cool things going on with your band, but the number one most important thing is obviously the music is great, but there's a million bands out there with great music. You guys have found a really cool way to harness a whole scene around this music where gimmick is the word you might use, but it's more than that. It's a whole kind of vibe and intricate kind of web that you've created around the band which right out of the gate puts you guys on a different level because it's so original. I think it's great right off the bat. Well, I really appreciate that, man. I think that for me, horror has has been a lifelong passion. As soon as I was able to take my love of, of music and being in a band, which I've done for, you know, 20 years at this point and combine that with 
my other passion, which which is horror, I think that was really sort of the recipe for us becoming a lot more successful than we had previously, because creating all this music based on these films, creating our own story arcs, our music videos, our merchandise, it all comes from a place where it's just so much fun to do that I think that kind of passion and, and respect and love for the genre comes through to the audience. And uh, I think that's been really key in, in spreading the word and having people gravitate towards Ice Nine Kills. Well, and it's cool too. Actually, I just had a, a cat on who did a documentary called uh, Metal and Horror and the combination between the two and how there is such a relationship about it. And there really is like throughout my whole history of, of loving heavy metal and horror as well, since I was just a kid, there's always been a direct correlation. You go from Black Sabbath to Alice Cooper to Iron Maiden to Slipknot almost. And you guys are kind of the next step in this ongoing connection between heavy metal and horror movies i mean that's very nice of you to say and if we could even be held in any sort of categories those bands even close like it it means a lot to me growing up bands like you know white zombie seeing their music videos uh you know i remember my dad bought me uh, Astro Creep 2000. <laughs> then he was reading the lyrics. It's like, what the hell did I just buy my son? Electric head? What is this? <laughs> yeah, right. But it's it's one of those combinations that just feels so natural for us to be considered like a you know passing the torch in any way. I mean that, that that's incredible to hear. So thank you. So how did you kind of get involved in this? Because there's been such a cool story, like I mentioned, if you go back to a couple records ago, I think it might have been the first, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, where you had kind of a theme. It's not a concept album, but every trick in the book, every song was written about a novel, about a book. And once again, it's such a cool idea. So what kind of was the the, the idea in starting it that way? It's interesting. That one kind of again, was something that, that was very organic. We had just sort of wrapped up our album cycle for the previous record, The Predator Becomes the Prey, which was the record before Every Trick in the Book. And we wanted to do a standalone single to keep fans interested in the band while we were working on the next record. One of the ways that I've always written songs is, you know, I'll take whatever music we're working on and I'll just sit with a microphone and start sort of scatting ideas they're not necessarily the lyrics but it's just like patterns and melodies and streams of consciousness and when i was working on this one particular song i was doing this vocal style it sounded like there were almost two voices at play this sort of split personality thing and it got me thinking oh wouldn't it be really cool if i made this song about jacqueline hyde and when it came time to start putting the full record together, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we expanded on this and let's make every song about a different novel. Some people in the band are like, I don't know. I don't know. Is that going to be stupid or is that too much? I said, let's try it. We've had some success, but it's not like we're metallic or anything. Let's just take a risk and, and do it. And that proved to really be a record that, that helped get us to that next level Certainly not at the level where the silver screen would take us to two to three years later, but it, it helped set us apart. Um, like you said in the intro, and I think that's one of the things that, that is very crucial, especially in today's social media age where everything is at everyone's fingertips and 
there are so many bands and so much content coming at you. How do you find a way to separate yourself from the pack? And it was just one of those things where people started talking, well, there's this band that, you know, does this thing where they cover different books. The next gradual step when it came to do the next album, let's do horror movies this time. Cause that's what I know the best. Here we are. And once again, like I said, like when I say the word gimmick, that's not a bad thing because every band has to have some sort of a hook. And then, of course, obviously the music is what stands out the most. But when you have, I mean, even in our band at first, it was like, oh, Fozzie, that's the wrestler guy. And that only goes so far. People either dig it or they don't. And then it goes to what's the music like and how does that stand up? But you just mentioned with so many bands and now you could basically get your music up any way, shape, or form, just put it on Spotify. It's harder and harder to stand out. So when, when I started hearing about what you guys were doing, plus being such a huge horror movie fan, then suddenly, well, let me check this out and see kind of what, what the hook of it is. There was an album by a band called Iced Earth, probably about 10, 15 years ago, called The Horror Show. And they did the same idea. There was a, a song about The Omen, and there was a song about Frankenstein, and there was a song about the creature from the Black Lagoon. It was just a really cool idea, and that's why when you guys did it too, I'm like, this could really work if you get what's going on, which is the theme of the music and of the band. So I thought it was just a great idea. Well, thanks, man. And, and I remember hearing uh, on your show on Octane that you would constantly be talking up Ice Nine Kill. So yeah, I was always very much appreciated. As a horror fan, it gives you that sort of extra layer where – you can not only appreciate it if you know you feel like the melody or you like the riffs or the hooks, but also it's like you got your ear to the speaker listening, oh, oh, I get that reference. He's talking about, you know, Jason's mom or, you know, he's putting in key, 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 ma, ma, ma into the, into the <laughs> hook. It's just one of those things that from what I've heard from our fans adds to the fun. Doing these last run of shows and, and doing a, uh, the meet and greets that we do you really begin to realize how invested our fans, our psychos, as we call them, <laughs> and I mean that in, in, in a very complimentary term, how invested they are in those little details. And uh, it makes it all the more fun and makes all those sort of painstaking like details that we put into these songs all worth it and all worth that time in doing so. Thanks to Helix Mattresses for supporting Talk is Jericho and giving my daughter Cheyenne some of the best sleep of her life. And believe me, her Helix mattress isn't just one of her favorite possessions. It might also be the one she spends the most time with, even more than TikTok. If you want to sleep like Cheyenne, then you need to get a Helix. Just take the Helix sleep quiz. It's quick and easy. Cheyenne took it. took about two minutes. Sleep quiz asks you things like, do you sleep on your back, side, or stomach? Do you move around a lot at night? And after you take this quiz, Helix will tell you which mattress is perfect for you. We got the Moonlight Lux for Cheyenne. Clearly, that worked out well. Helix has a specific mattress for everybody's unique tastes. You don't have to take our word for it, though. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Jericho. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix has a 10-year warranty and you get to sleep on the mattress for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but trust us, you are going to love it. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress 
orders and two free pillows at helixsleep.com slash Jericho. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash Jericho for up to $200 off. Try it risk-free for 100 nights. Helixsleep.com slash Jericho. What do you think the, the relationship is between horror movies and heavy metal? Why is it so locked in together to where people like us are so into both and can talk for hours about both? There's so many uh, levels as to why it works perfectly together. I think on just like sort of a cellular level, heavy metal sounds scary. You know, oftentimes it's it's minor key stuff. It can be in the stuff that, that I gravitate towards and what we do, very cinematic and almost like if you stripped away our songs to just the orchestral arrangements, it would be something that would be within a horror film, the score of a horror film. So I think on that cellular level, when it hits your ears, it sounds scary. It sounds foreboding, um, at least if you're doing it right. Right, 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 right. right. And then I think it's two forms of entertainment that have always been part of that subculture, part of the the weirdos, you know, the, the pack of kids that maybe aren't so into going to the football game on Friday night, but, you know, spinning records in the basement and, and discovering, you know, cannibal corpse, you know, there's that element of we aren't the cool kids and we're like proud of it. And that kind of makes us the cool kids. Um, so I think there's that sort of community on both levels, horror and metal that kind of goes against the grain. But yeah, I mean, I think those are two of, of the biggest elements that, that pair them together. It's so amazing, too, because that's such a generational thing. But it always I remember like I, I grew up in the 80s and it was the same thing, except for once again, it was Iron Maiden. It was the imagery of heavy metal back at that point it was always very kind of a, the evil type of thing. But you gravitated toward it. You would go, OK, I'm going to go get Sleepaway Camp two and we're going to go to my friend's house and we're going to watch it and we're going to split six beers between three guys and then we're going to f-ing listen to power slave and it's going to be the best time ever we don't need to go <laughs> to the football game you know <laughs> exactly man and i think that that just keeps going down through the generations and when it was my generation we were listening to you know corn and, and slipknot and rob zombie and manson and all these other kind of bands that that were sort of the next generation of right. the Iron Maidens and the Black Sabbaths. And uh, I definitely have to say very jealous that you get to go and talk with uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Oh, yeah. I-, I love watching you on that show, man. So cool. Well, I will tell them that you're into it and, and they have people on all the time. And you're, you'd be perfect for this because of all the imagery and, and all the lyrics that you use. Like, I think, like, once again, it sounds like I'm kind of like fawning over this. But like I used to write lyrics about Stephen King books, too. And you take the story, obviously, you know, Anthrax has done it in the past. And you can actually formulate your lyrics around this already written story. And that's what I love about what you guys did and what you're doing on the Silver Scream records is that you can actually, okay, this is a great movie what kind of lyrics can I write about this what's your mindset when you do that if you take a cabin fever you take a child's play like how do you kind of hone in to write your four verses and your pre-chorus and your chorus you know yeah it's, it's a really fun process to me you know all the records we did before every trick in the book you know they were from personal experiences and were experiences of people close to me and I sort of try to put myself in their shoes and write from their perspective but this the writing process 
this new sort of formula that we do just so much fun, you know, because you're working, as you said, with this source material that you know so well. All the movies that we cover, I've seen a million times. But when we start to record demos for the songs, I'll always go back and watch the movie and I will take notes like it's my homework. And I write down the key phrases, Easter eggs that I know that the hardcore fans of these movies would really appreciate. Like, for instance, in our song about the Halloween franchise, Stabbing in the Dark, the pre-chorus is bum, 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 which is obviously like a nod to um, Mr. Sandman from, you know, part two and throughout (laughs) the series. So I write down all these little things. I look up the taglines. I look up everything and I, I try to make a master list. Oftentimes when I'm writing the hook of the song, like the melody, a phrase will stay with me. For instance, like when I was doing the one about Friday the 13th, thank God Friday, the first words that came into my mind was, he drowned in all our sins. You know, at that time, I thought, well, maybe this is a scratch lyric, but stuff like that ended up staying because it just worked so well as the hook and, and, and describing, you know, the way that Jason died, you know, because of the, the um, neglect of the counselors. And so once I get all of the key pieces in order, like the hook and the patterns, I sit down with this guy, Steve Sopchak, who has been like a fifth member of the band since 2010 or something and him and i we have a very similar sense of humor we love double entendres and plays on words so we sit down and we we work out this these lyrics and it becomes almost like a competition who can think of the the more clever pun who can one-up the other person and oftentimes it's like he'll give me a line and i'll slam dunk it or opposite so it's like an alley-oop kind of situation where we really have a lot of fun with it and during the pandemic, as I'm sure you know, is all Zoom sessions. Yeah. It just became a lot of fun and, and became a situation where now we know our writing style so well that we can knock out a song lyrically probably in one or two sessions. It's just one of those things where it makes the writing process, you look forward to it. It's not sometimes like you dread it, like, oh, am I going to be able to figure this out or are we going to hit a roadblock? But to me, it's just like, sitting down with your friends and, and, and writing stuff about source material that you're already in love with. So it's really a dream in terms of the fun of writing. It's cool too when when you're a band and you put out your first few records and everyone's kind of experiments a bit. And when you really kind of lock in and figure out who we are as a band, that's when you can really start having some fun with it. Like you mentioned, now you have three records where there's been a little bit of a lyrical theme and now this is what you're being known for. Now it's like people are like, what's next? And now you have the confidence to go, okay, now we can do whatever we want, you know? Absolutely, man. And and it extends to all the promotion and all the rollout kind of things we can now do because, you know, our, la- our label backs us and, and, and really we, we sort of proved the concept with the last two records that, that it worked because I think at first people on that side weren't too sure if, if, if this kind of idea would work. And now that we've kind of proven ourselves, it's like, all right, go out and film these elaborate music videos. Yeah. I can have an idea like, okay, so we're going to do a song about Pet Cemetery called Funeral Derangements. And I'll be thinking, man, wouldn't it be so cool if we got the actor who played Little Gage to be in our video? I'm like, okay, let's make it happen. 
I'm going to call someone. And, and four days later, we're on the set with Miko Hughes, who, you know, was <laughs> was little Gage Creed in, in Pet Cemetery and was in Kindergarten Cop and all these like iconic movies, even Wes Craven's New Nightmare. And there he is. He's playing the truck driver who, in a very ironic cameo, <laughs> kills himself. It, it's, re- it's really kind of like, for me, being a, a you know a kid in a candy shop, just being like, wow, I'm on the set and and we can really execute the vision for these songs in that you know grandiose kind of visual platform that I've always wanted to do. I'm glad you stuck with the uh, theme of Pet Cemetery, the original, and not the remake where they threw the stupid twist for no reason in there. <laughs> let's let's have the daughter die instead of the son. Spoiler alert: hated it. <laughs> no one can beat little gate Miko Hughes in that in that role in the first one. I, Agreed. I don't know how the hell he had sort of the the self awareness to be so good as such an evil spot of Satan. Let's call him when he was like four years old. Four years old, right? <laughs> That's cool. But let's talk a little bit about you mentioned the, the the presentation and the rollout, and obviously your record company is spending a little money on you. And the reason why is, and this is how this whole thing kicked off. Like I remember we had a song called sandpaper back in 2012 and it's like let's send the single with a piece of sandpaper with a fozzy f on it yes it's great here we go fast forward to 2021 and the promo pack for silver scream 2 comes in the mail to me and it is this box a really big cardboard almost like a file box and i had forgotten that your publicist was going to send it so i open it up and the first thing I see is an evidence bag, and it's got a bunch of like detail. I'm like, my first thought was, what the f- did I do? Am I in trouble for something? Like, why am I getting sent evidence bags? And then there's another great kind of a sheet that tells all the crimes that Spencer committed in killing his girlfriend on kind of a, a police report. And I was like, oh, it's the Ice Nine Kills thing. So I look through it and there's a mask and there's a knife and there's an umbrella. And it's like this, I actually called my manager. I was like, dude, you want to do something special for a rollout. Check this shit out. Unbelievable. How did you guys come up with this idea? Well, thank you so much, man. I mean, it just it goes back to, for me, I always put myself in the fan shoes because that's what I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of these movies. I'm a fan of sort of that kind of Comic-Con culture, collectible stuff. I'm 36 years old and, and I, I still get giddy over the right ghost face toy or something like that. So (laughs) what happened over the pandemic, this company had reached out to me called team click and they sort of, um, in a very complimentary way, you know, identified me as like a, a horror influencer. So they wanted to put me on the list for when they promote a film, whether it's the new Blumhouse release or something from Paramount, they want to send me, a care package. So I thought, man, we got to start our own thing called a scare package, kind of the care package, scare package. <laughs> so I'm always someone who really appreciates great marketing. And they sent me this box for the release of the invisible man, the new version, which I thought was great. It was, it was really um, so much suspense in it. In the box was an action figure for the invisible man. You know, one of those, action figure containers where it has the clear thing where the action figure is supposed to be except with the invisible man it was just the packaging and no one was in it nothing was in it i was like that's great oh my god that is so brilliant i gotta work with these guys so 
I called them up. We had some meetings with this this great company, Team Click, and it was just like that perfect match made in hell, so to speak, where they loved our ideas. They had great ideas of their own. And I knew once the album came out, we had to do something like those great campaigns they had done with those movies that I loved. So that's how it all sort of kicked off. You know, when we were coming up with the rollout, you know, I had written the album out as a movie treatment. I knew that there was going to be a crime that took place. I kind of came up with the idea because I thought, you know, what would happen if someone like a Rob Zombie or an Alex Cooper was under suspicion of murder, but there was no real like hard evidence to link him to the crime. You, you know that eventually if it came to trial, the DA, you know, the prosecution would absolutely use their imagery and their persona as like trying to hurt their character in the eyes of the jury. So that's how it all kind of started. And I, I always thought, you know, if I ever, God forbid, was arrested of a crime or under suspicion of <laughs> prosecution, now look at the lyrics. It's all right there. He's, he, you know, he's killing people left and right. Right. He lost the reality button, you know, to quote scream kind of a thing. And that's how it all sort of was, was birthed and conceived. And that's what I was going to ask you about next, watching all the videos. Because um, I think there's been, I know you did a lot of lyric videos, but has, been, has there been three official videos for Silver Scream so far? For Silver Scream 2, we've done Hip to be Scared, which is American Psycho. Then we did Assault and Batteries, which was Child's Play. Then Rainy Day, Resident Evil. And then the last one we did was the Pet Cemetery one, Funeral Derangement. So we've got four gotcha, uh, right. official music videos. Being able to work on that story arc and have people, you know, genre faves like Bill Mosley as the chief of police. And as we said, Miko Hughes, we got Dead Meat James and Chelsea from the, the Dead Meat YouTube series. Now we got to get Jericho. Hey. I mean, it's all right. We got to get you in a music video. I could come in. Absolutely. Because that's the thing. It all fits together. And I didn't know this watching the videos because kind of checking them out. I, I think I might have watched them out of order, so I have to watch them again. But at the end of it, it all ends with, you know, it's like here's a four-minute song, but it's a six-minute video, for example. And at the end, Bill Mosley's playing the detective who's trying to track you down and get you. And they pop with the VHS tape every time. It's just this ongoing story to be continued at the end of each. Once again, just brilliantly done, and I'm following the story too. The, the, I think the last one ended off was three in the chest, two in the stomach, one in the back. Yeah. Because you have stabbed your girl three times in the chest, two times in the stomach, one in the back, and he's figured something out. That son of a bitch. I'm like, what is it? What is it? But now we have to wait for the next video. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You gotta leave him with a little bit of a cliffhanger there, you know? Yeah. I think in this day and age, like with people, being so drawn to like that episodic kind of television or, you know, Netflix series or Paramount Plus or Hulu or whatever you watch, Shudder. I think that having that, that little mystery to keep people engaged is a lot of fun. And, and it kind of also, by putting the stories at the end of the, end of the music video, if, if you're a person who's just a casual listener and just wants to see the music video and just wants to listen to the music, you don't have to watch, but it gives people an opportunity if they want more out of the project, here it is. And dig in. And I think, you know, something that I always like to, you know, learn from not necessarily mistakes, but like what can we do better that we may have not done perfectly the first time around? On the first record, we put the story, a lot of the story at the beginning, 
which I think made was cool at the time, but I think this is a better way to do it. Let's get to the music first and then give the option at the end instead of the opposite. Right, especially with the shorter attention spans. Sometimes people be like, ah, it's too much talk at the beginning or whatever, right? Right, exactly. They're all very well filmed. Many movies, obviously, is what you want. There's a great budget for this. Who is writing the treatment? Who's directing it? You mentioned Rob Zombie before, who actually does both. Are you involved in that process? So, usually what happens is I'll have an idea. I wrote out sort of the entire treatment for the album in movie form. And then as the album and the demos came together, I started to think, what order could we do this in? Right. I sat down with a writing partner of mine, a guy, you know, a guy that I've known since kindergarten. I was his best man at his wedding, my friend Andrew Justin Smith. And he's just got the same kind of sense of humor as me. You know, grew up on Seinfeld, but also loves horror. So we wrote out the ends of the, each video and, and tried to have this connecting story go throughout. And then, you know, we've got such a great team. Mike Mary, our manager, Chris Nilsson, who is one of our other managers, has a great sense of, of comic timing. So he, he kind of took what we did and did some polishing on the dialogue. And then we brought it over to this director, Jensen, who I had been a fan of from a couple of years ago. He did a lot of the Falling in Reverse videos and Asking Alexandria videos. And it just so happens that he was a fan of us. And he had hit me up about wanting to do our music videos. And he was like number one in my mind for doing the new stuff. So it was just came together perfectly. Him and his producer, Phoenix, just super talented guys. They've got a great team, great cinematographers. They help put these videos together that really executed my vision. I don't think it could have been done any better by them. So hats off to them. Just very excited to get back in the lab and, and do some more continue the story and the thing that's cool about it is you you don't have to be necessarily contingent on whether these songs are going to be released as singles or go to radio or whatever it may be i'm sure some of them have maybe all of them have but the point is you can still do the videos which in this day and age are still doing millions of views anyways so it still keeps the album rolling and keeps the story rolling but you you don't have to wait for the single and video is that kind of the idea i mean i'm, yeah. I'm assuming you don't have four singles yet maybe you do but no, no, absolutely. It doesn't have to necessarily be the radio one. And something that was fun with the rollout, uh, when we announced the album in July with our with Hip to Be Scared, the American Psycho song, we had this website created, which was very crime theme sort of investigation TV setup with this big evidence board on the front page. And right there, when, when the kids came, Exhibit A, that was Hip to Be Scared, and it also listed... Exhibit B will re be released on August 9th, and Exhibit C is coming in September 9th, and Exhibit D on October 9th, because <laughs> we do drops on the 9th of every month to fit in with the you know Ice Nine Kills called Nightmare on the 9th. So everything was very strategically done. Uh, I learned that stuff from watching how my favorite films come out and, and uh, TV episodes, and how do you keep people excited? Yeah, I just kind of learned from that stuff. Thanks to our friends at Geico for supporting Talk is Jericho. Do you own or rent your home? 
If you do, you know it can be hard work, but you know what's easy is bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Just go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That is GEICO.com. So how do you translate some of this to your live show? I know you're on tour right now. You guys are, are, are growing very, very uh, quickly, playing bigger venues. Jose Mangan was flipping out because you murdered him on stage a couple of weeks ago at Welcome to Rockville, <laughs> which was great. Talk a little bit about that. When you Are you stabbing people on stage every night? Are they randoms? Do you have a certain stage show that you like to do? How are you building that? Well, first of all, Jose and Vinny from, from Octane are just are the best and they've been a huge supporter of ink you know ever since we did the silver scream you know they're huge horror fans so they really we got really lucky with those guys and just i can't say enough good things about them and it was so cool because it was jose's idea like hey i'm gonna be at rockville let's murder me on stage i was like i'm in just show me you know show me where to stab you and we'll go from there but for the shows, we, we work with a makeup artist who actually tours with us. Her name is Chevy, and she's also the actress on stage. We have all these elaborate costumes designed by this, this girl, Missy Munster, who is on one of those makeup effect shows. It's called Faith Off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, she's yeah. incredibly talented. We've had uh, some stuff designed by um, Nightmare 13 Studios and Pumpkin Pulp. And all, all these people create these just fantastic costumes for us. We really try to choreograph some of the deaths from the movies into the live show. And now we're working with video walls as well. You know, it's got, we just got a great team on the road of lighting. It's all very, you know, as I said, with the marketing, all kind of strategically aligned where in the American Psycho song, for example, Hip to be Scared, you know, I'm, I'm doing the, the Huey Lewis part, you like Ice Nine Kills, and this guy stumbles out on stage, he walks behind one of the video walls, and then you see his silhouette on the video wall, sitting down just like Paul Allen did in the movie, and then I go behind one of the other video walls, and then you see me slaughter him in silhouette form, and then come out with his severed head. <laughs> it's all kind of like stuff that I've seen throughout the years, like on Broadway, or whatever, those little tricks that allow you sort of the theater of the mind uh pen and teller kind of tricks to fake certain things that you you know you couldn't do in real time unless you had you know a million dollar budget on each uh, show but see what i love about it it once again being kind of in the middle of the alice generation and, and your generation whatever the that even means the point is seeing kind of that stuff in the past there's a lot of kids that have never seen this type of show before of what you guys are doing and so now ink becomes their you know alice cooper or zombie or whatever it may be but the point is those effects and that vibe is eternal like what a great idea to be doing this stuff and people love it it's gonna get this is gonna grow so fast because it's very original and new for what's going on you know with quote-unquote radio bands now in this day and age well thanks man i i think that when i would go back and see shows when i was a kid i remember i think it was the sick and twisted tour it was rob zombie and corn and maybe stain and i just remember the level of detail that went into those shows you know corn had this thing called the corn cage where they would have yeah all their fans that like either one 
tickets there or to a chance to be there through radio promotion. You know, Rob Zombie, who still to this day puts on that kind of show. I watched him at Rockville and there's a big animatronic monster that comes out and, and dances and, and dancing girls <laughs> and, and interesting, scary looking mic stands and all this stuff. And, and I think that people, especially in a time like this where you're coming out of a pandemic, people want to be entertained. There are plenty of amazing bands that, that get on on stage and, and just do the show. And that's great. And that's awesome. But I, I think there, there definitely still is a place for doing something, you know, as you said, that's more than just the music. Let's put on a fun show. I'm, I'm very lucky to have a great team, you know, whether, you know, it's the people that produce the album, um, you know, like Drew Falk or the, the director of the videos, Jensen, or all the people that work on our sound and our lighting during the shows that all come together and, and make this something that, that hopefully people remember. Let's talk a little bit about the song that you did about uh, American Psycho, Hip to be Scared. And it's got a really cool kind of tempo change in it where you go into uh, the riff for Hip to be Square, which of course is the Huey Lewis and the new song, which Christian Bale uh, kills the dude too. How does that work calling the Huey Lewis camp and saying, hey, we're Ice Nine Kills and we murder people in our videos and can we use your riff? <laughs> well, what was so funny is is that was the first song we wrote for the album, which was, it was pre-pandemic. It was written in the studio by uh, Drew Falk and I, who produced the record. Mm -hmm. When we were conceiving doing a song about American Psychos, like the breakdown has to be, hey, Paul, you know, it has to be that scene. <laughs> when we were working that riff in, we wanted to make sure that you know, reminded anyone who heard it of the Huey Lewis part, but we wanted to make it different. So it was more of an interpolation, like uh, not exactly the same chords, but not the same key, but something that was just, if you heard it to your ear, it would sound like it. So we did that. Um, we got some fantastic orchestration by this guy, Francesco Ferrini, who does a lot of like the strings and the, the keys on the record. We sent it to the label. We're on Concord Music, which is under Universal Music Group. And they said, hey, guys, this is still too close. we got to run it by the Huey camp. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So Huey Lewis had to actually not only listen to the song, but watch the video. And apparently he thought it was great. He gave us his blessing to do it. And now, you know, on the liner notes, it says, you know, song written by Ice Nine Kills and Huey Lewis. <laughs> Getting that compliment was great. And. You know, that, that's one of those things, that part of the album where it's us saying to the audience, saying to critics, saying to the music world, we're not taking ourselves too seriously. We're having fun. It's always funny to people, funny to me when I hear criticism of that part. They're like, oh, this is so cheesy. What the hell is it? No shit. It's, it's supposed to be fun. I'm, you know, not only a fan of horror, but such a big fan of comedy. The way that American Psycho and Freddie Ellis and Mary Aaron and, and, and Christian Bale were able to meld those worlds of horror and comedy was just so expertly executed that that was the whole idea for that part. Let's make this a comic relief part in the middle of like a, a poppy kind of metalcore song. I remember even when we were submitting the song, you know, some people were like, oh, this is too weird. This is not going to be good for playlisting. We got to get rid of this part. It's like that part is the coolest part. And um, thankfully our fans and, 
the general music consuming public also thought that. And I think was one of the reasons that that part, that that song kind of went viral uh, because people love that sort of quirkiness. Well, it comes out of left field too, which is the cool thing about it. You don't expect it. You know, I didn't because I had forgotten that in American Psycho, that was the song. Yeah. You know, and obviously hip, hip to be scared. Okay, it's a pun. And then I was like, holy shit, that's the one. So it really works well for, for that reason, you know. Thanks, man. FanDuel Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with 30 to 1 enhanced odds for the divisional playoffs. Bet 5 bucks to win 150 bucks on any team to win any divisional playoff game. Just sign up for FanDuel Sportsbook and make a deposit to claim your 30 to 1 enhanced odds. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. It's an easy to use app. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as two hours. Wow, that's fast. If you already have FanDuel Sportsbook, you can get 50 bucks when you refer a friend. Plus, FanDuel will give your friend 50 bucks as well. Don't miss your chance to win $150 off a $5 bet when you use the promo code Jericho at sign up. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, use the promo code Jericho, and pick your divisional playoff team before kickoff. You must be 21 and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. New users only. $10 first deposit is required. Must wager in designated offer market. The maximum bonus is $150. Bonus for Tennessee users is fulfilled in site credit within 72 hours and expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Tennessee, call Redline 1-800-889-9789 or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, have you heard from any other of the directors or writers from any of the movies or books that you've uh, done songs from? Well, we've, we've definitely worked with some actors that were involved in the films in the Rainy Day music video, Rainy Day Part 2, which is like the extension part at the end. This really great character actor named Ricky Dean Logan, who was actually in Freddy's Dead. He's Carlos, who gets his ear chopped off if you remember that <laughs> yeah, right 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 yes fire in the hearing a nice hearing from you carlos <laughs> yeah he's got the ear yeah. so he plays my lawyer so that's so fun to have that connection to the film he's also in, in in seinfeld and some other great genre movies and back to the future too so uh working with people like that obviously we were talking about miko hughes from pet cemetery i've become friendly with um some of the people at blumhouse this guy ryan turek who's uh one of the producers on, on the new Halloweens, which I, I love. He's now a fan of the band and comes out to see us when we play in LA. Surprisingly, you know, there's no, there has been no real blowback from any of the studios. You know, obviously we're kind of operating in, in parody, which gives us, you know, the fair right to, to use some of these themes. But um, yeah, it seems like everyone just 
in the studio world must just feel like, hey, this band, it's good for the genre because it's just exposing new people to these films, which maybe some of them haven't seen. I'm uh, really good friends with Eli Roth, and you have two Roth songs on this album, one for Hostel, Worst Vacation, and then uh, Rash Decision from Cabin Fever. So I will make sure to let Eli know. He probably knows already because he's a heavy metal guy too. I'm sure he probably digs it. Yeah, please tell him uh, that that we love his work. You know, he's a Massachusetts guy like I am. So that's right. That's right. He was definitely someone always, that I always looked up to. Like, oh man, this guy's from from Mass, and he you know he made it in the film business. Yeah, putting those Eli Roth songs together was a ton of fun. I hope he digs them. Let's talk about uh, I think Kills as a band as you have, as you've continued to build and grow other bands that you've played with recently. Like, do you tour with other bands like opening for them, or has it kind of gone beyond that at this point? We the last tour we did before the pandemic, Papa Roach and Hollywood Undead brought us to Europe, which was so cool. You know, listening to those bands for years, and you know, listening to Papa Roach since I was like you know thirteen. Well, and Jacoby's actually on Hip to Be Scared too, which just must have been cool for you. Yeah, that that's how that whole thing came to be. You know, we were touring with them, and I've always been a huge fan of his voice. You know, he's just kept that like that rasp, but that pop sensibility at the same time. And one day in catering, I was like, "Hey, do you think that I could cut your life into pieces?" To, to you know, to use a reference from his own song. <laughs> Thankfully, he was really into the idea. These last few tours, we've been headlining uh the first tours back september was the first leg of our hip to beat scared tour this first severed leg and now we're on severed leg two as you can see chris we like to uh we like our puns yes of course but yeah i mean you know playing those shows like the festival ones and getting to open for bands like metallica and rob zombie just like pinch me is that is this really happening like the other day we played a show at rockville on a stage and then you know a few hours later metallica was on the same stage it's like just wild yeah you can't beat that for sure no have you ever met zombie at all does he know what you guys are doing i have not met him someone i've always looked up to i don't know if he's aware of the band i hope he likes it well there's a huge buzz i'm sure it's it's coming there eventually Let's talk about, uh, uh, as we start to wind down, about obviously horror movies. Talk about some of your favorite horror movies. Kind of what's your top ones, if you had a name off the top of your head? Obviously, the slasher classics that we've covered before. You know, Halloween was the first one I ever saw. In the video store, whatever reason, I was drawn to that horror aisle. And I would look at those VHS covers. You know, the first one that caught my eye was that pumpkin the butcher knife what is this yes mom mom dad please let me see this (laughs) no 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 it's too scary because they had actually seen it in the theaters when it came out in 78 they were going to see invasion of the body snatchers it happened to be a double feature where this little movie no one knew about halloween played right before it and they sat there in great fear because you know they had never seen anything like (laughs) that right and then Body Snatchers came on. They said this is like, you know, an episode of Mr. Rogers in comparison. <laughs> totally. Although the last scene's pretty creepy with Donald Sutherland just going, ah. True. But, you know, nothing nothing compared to that Shatner mask. So Not even close. Yeah, not even close. After a little convincing, I was always a persistent little guy. They let me watch it. 
I just became obsessed. I wanted to see all the sequels. Now I want to see all the Friday the 13th. So those two were like the hallmarks of the genre to me, Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw. But I also really love like, uh, you know, lesser known ones. Like I'm wearing a Silent Night, Deadly Night hoodie right now. Well done. Punish. Punish. <laughs> Mother Superior favorite of mine. So I, I love Silent Night, Deadly Night, My Bloody Valentine. All the movies that we've really covered on the albums are really my favorites. Obviously, American Psycho. I'm trying to think of, of some movies that we haven't covered that are my favorites. Obviously, Black Christmas. A lot of people say that Halloween wouldn't exist without it. So scary. And then there was a movie called um, When a Stranger Calls, which, which is a, a cult classic in its own right. But there was a follow-up made-for-TV movie called When a Stranger Calls Back that came out in 1993. And if you're unfamiliar with it, I highly suggest checking it out. came out three years before Scream. And the opening scene, nothing really beats that opening scene in Scream with Drew Barrymore, but it rivals it. And if you haven't seen it, check it out. 1993 is When a Stranger Calls Back. Well, because the opening scene from Scream is totally influenced by When a Stranger Calls, though. Of course. The, the killer calls and he's like, I'm upstairs or whatever. You're like, ah. You know, it's interesting to me with Halloween Kills. Have you seen it yet, Halloween Kills? Yes. So I love how they kind of ignored the 12 movies in the middle. Some are good, some not so good. But it was really interesting the way that they wrote Halloween Kills with all of the ancillary characters coming back, or it was the kid of the father that was killed in the house or whatever. I thought that was really well done. Really smart writing to put that together. I think so too. And like it's a, as a hardcore fan of, of that series, you seeing those flashback shots from 78 and getting to see stuff that you never knew happened. Now on the original, it's just like they really nailed that part it really made you feel like you were watching something that happened in the original. Even the way the shape moved mm -hmm. when he came out to strangle the police officer, just like the guy had the, the action done. It looked like just like how he attacked Jamie Lee Curtis. You just tell, you know, that movie was made by really big fans. So I loved it. Danny McBride was involved in the writing of the script, which was surprising to me. I didn't know that. Well, what's so funny about that, I, I love Danny McBride, I love Eastbound and Down. When I was watching Eastbound and Down, when it came out in like 09 or something, he put all these little references to slasher movies in Eastbound and Down. He One, one time he says something about the mask from Scream, another time he mentions that the Kenny Powers mask looks kind of like a, a Michael Myers mask. So I was like thinking to myself, this guy is a slasher fan. Nine years later, he's involved with the new Halloween. So I was like, that makes sense. I was right. Makes sense. Have you ever thought about writing a, a script at all? Yeah. I mean, I think the idea going forward is, is going to try to be to take what we've done with this new overarching story with Bill Mosley and, and make it into a, a feature length film. And the goal for that would be to intrigue and interest and entertain people that maybe don't even know the band. Like you don't have to, to know the band to enjoy the film. So definitely going to be pursuing that for sure. How about some of your uh, more extreme fans, shall we say? Because I know anytime there's 
someone involved in show business with kind of a horror movie tinge. I mean, he used to happen to The Undertaker quite often where, you know, people would send him their gallbladders or something. I knew you would appreciate this. Do you guys have some of those types of fans that are like, you know, we understand you, Spencer, and if you ever want to murder somebody, you can murder me? <laughs> I've definitely seen those comments on, on our posts, but I think it's more just kind of playful stuff. Like if there's a music video and I'm chasing some girl with a chainsaw, you know, some girl, right? You can chase me anytime with the chainsaw. Right. Pack me into pieces, which maybe they're serious, but I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure. We definitely have very sweet fans who, who bring us just very nice gifts and, and notes. And I think it just is more sort of evidence that the, the preconceived notion about people who like heavy metal or extreme horror or like terrible people or like deranged or something. And I, I found it's, it's really just the opposite or, or fans are, or, or nice, good hearted people. And we uh, released our own phone app about a year ago. We've kind of developed this whole platform. We kind of think of it as Instagram, you know, <laughs> there's a pun, another pun, another pun, man. Just watching how the kids interact on like the forum that we have, there's just no, there's none of that like toxicity that you see on Twitter or sometimes Instagram where people are trying to bring each other down or call each other out or outwoke each other. It's just good people celebrating the love of horror and, and metal. I'm proud that our fans seem to be very nice, good hearted people. Well, people like, especially a lot of kids, you know, teenagers, that they like being, to find something they can feel a part of, you know what I mean? And, and the whole concept of what you're doing with Inc., I noticed with a band, even with the nines, everyone's got the nines. And that's something you could, you could paint a nine on your arm you, if you want to get a tattoo or you want to make a shirt. Like, that connects us to the gang of Ice Nine Kills. That's right, man. I mean, it, it's... Uh... Taking a page out of the, you know, the Misfits book or any of those bands that, that really created, as you said, that sort of cult group, you know, you don't fit in with anyone else, but you fit in with us kind of mentality. I know that when I was growing up, that that was definitely something that when I discovered horror and heavy music and punk music, it's nice to, to be able to feel like you're a part of something. Right. Even if you didn't get picked in a gym class, to use the old cliche. Yeah, no, absolutely. That, that, that's exactly right. Last couple of things. What songs on the new record are going over great live now that the record is out and you're on tour, which we haven't been for a while? Um, are there certain ones that are just like, okay, this is the one? Yeah. Well, we come out to Welcome to Horrorwood, which is, is not based on any particular movie. It just sort of welcomes you to the album to yes. the world of horror that, that we like to call horror wood. When we were penning the lyrics, we intentionally wanted to have them sound incriminating because I thought, okay, so in the movie they can use these words against me. Like, you know, if our lawyer is arguing, oh, this is an act, you know, this is, it's just a stage persona right there in the lyrics. We put, this is not an act. Who cares if it bleeds beyond the screen? <laughs> right. But also, we wanted it to have that sort of inclusive kind of game mentality that we were just talking about. So, are you know, are you misunderstood? Welcome to Horrorwood, you know. So that one seems to be like an anthem that people are really gravitating towards. The shower scene, 
which is based on Psycho. The crowd just singing that so loud every night, the chorus, which just sort of overpowers what we do, which makes it nice for, we all sing, but it makes it nice for the singer to have that sort of like, okay, well, we don't have to sing every night because <laughs> the crowd is. But yeah, man, it seems like across the board, all the new songs are going over very well. The funeral derangements has this sort of big mosh call. It's one of the, my favorite lyrics I ever wrote. Um, you know, it all began. It's about Pet Cemetery. It all began with a skid on the pavement. It ends here with funeral derangements. <laughs> the flesh is living, but the souls have spoiled. The wrath of God lays beneath his soil. So that whole last line on the record, just a scream by itself. So hearing the audience take over that part. You know, that's how I envisioned it when we were putting it together in the studio. So as I'm sure you know, when 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 you go from studio to actually playing the song live to see something happen that you, you had hoped that would happen when you were creating it is is just so great to see. Still one of the greatest characters ever, Pax Cow. Did Pax Cow make the lyrics? He didn't in the sense that it was like this is Pascal here, but it, it was definitely in the video, we wanted to give some of those lines, those foreboding lines, because, you know, in a, in a way he's acting in the movie and the book as a warning. Definitely the spirit of Pascal is there. Is there. And in the video, the character is played by our friend Josh from Bad Flower. That was really fun to have him involved. He's great. So last question for you. Now we talk about kind of the, all the buzz that Ice Nine Kills have and, and, and all the growth of the band do you have something in mind like okay if we can get to arenas i want to do this type of a show and is there do you have a bigger picture in mind for what you might want to do in the future yeah i'd love to continue to build set pieces and and really hone in on that broadway kind of style of being able to change scenery i saw Phantom of the Opera and Les Miserables when I was very young. And I actually saw American Psycho on Broadway, which... Oh, wow. I think I was the only one who liked it because it was only in on Broadway for two months. But just the idea of that kind of trickery of, of flipping things and things coming out of the ground and completely changing from song to song would be fantastic. And I also have this, this grand idea of actually creating the Hollywood Hills in the background, except it says obviously Horrorwood and our drummer being up on the hills of Horrorwood, so to speak. <laughs> Hopefully someday. Well, you guys are on the right path, Matt. It's uh, great talking to you, dude. And once again, just by concept of what you guys are doing, you made a new fan in me. Music is great. The vibe is great. I think it's, uh, it's really, really cool stuff you guys are doing. So congratulations. Thanks so much, man. Coming from you it means a lot. So thank you for having me on the show and, and thanks for being a supporter of what we do. It's, it's greatly appreciated. I'll be waiting for the call. I'll be Bill Mil Mosley's coffee guy in the next video. I'll bring him a cup of coffee. Yes. We need you. <laughs> Actually, our, our lawyer was the guy uh, who played the guy getting him coffee that time. And he's like, oh, just Splenda. Two sugars. Two, yeah, two, yeah, two sugars. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Have a great day off, and uh, we'll see you on the road somewhere. You too, man. Thanks so much.